Just look at this studio filled with fabulous prizes. Ooh. All waiting to be won on Score North's... Pick your prize! Behind door number one is a $10,000 gift card to Chanhassen Dinner Theaters for shows, concerts, food, and beverage. Ooh. Door number two has $10,000 in home improvements for your kitchen, bathroom, windows, and more from Minnesota Rusco and Companies. Ah. And behind door number three, LASIK eye procedure from Dr. Lovanoff at Ovo LASIK and Lens. And a fantastic vacation. No surprise zoinks. What you want, you pick. 14 prizes in all, each valued at $10,000. Sign up for Score North's Pick Your Prize. You can register daily through the Score North app or go to scorenorth.com keyword prize. Sweepstakes begins March 18th. Special thanks to our prize partners. Guys, of Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and ScoreNorth.com. Hartman spins free out front. The free shot Yep. There the it flag. is. There it is. The flag. Wild flag. <laughs> the 2003 run to the Western Conference Finals. You know, there's no room for petty bull. Amazing. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, that's it. That's it. The amazing. flag will wave again. Hit, Dex, hit that again. Hit yeah. that again. Here, let me, hear, let me turn this off for you. Sorry. There you go. You know, there's no room for petty bull. <laughs> yep. Yeah, you damn right. You damn right. Sorry, this is, this is awesome. My contract, my contract says right. when that song plays, I got to wave the flag. <laughs> my button bar is going wild here. I got to restart this thing. So, all right, Mackie and Judd, daily Minnesota sports entertainment therapy uh, speculation, and we always go through our statements on a Monday, and we're going to try and go through these statements without slapping each other. Okay, so uh, so no no slaps. Can we handle well. that? <laughs> Well, no, yes, no. because if I'm mad, I'm going to punch you guys. I'm not going to slap you. I'm going to punch you if I'm that mad. Well, Dex, why don't you start yeah, us off? I'll here. start us off. Start then. us off. I'll start with a little joke here. Colorado Avalanche. What do the five fingers say to the face? <laughs> slap! The Wild provided a formula to slap the mighty Colorado Avalanche in the face last night for an overtime win. And here, here's your ingredients for that five-finger slap, right? You need, you need stellar goaltending, which, which you got from Cam Talbot. You need timely special teams, which you got two power play goals, including the game winner from Kevin Fiala. Um, you also need your star players to come through, right? Kirill Kaprizov has a, has a big night last night, also gets a goal, gets the top line going. And I think the most important ingredient in that five-finger slap is slapping the top line of Colorado with Nathan McKinnon and Mika Ratanen and taking them away from their game and off the score sheet. That's how you beat Colorado, is taking them and flustering them. They forced Nathan McKinnon into dropping the gloves last night. Dumbo (laughs) rocks a nice hit on Ratnan. It bothers McKinnon, and then McKinnon has to sit in the box for five minutes. That'd be almost basically the equivalent of Kirill Kaprizov dropping the gloves, and then you're without your star player for five minutes in the third period 
of a very important game. So that was, was it feels a little unsustainable to like trick him into sure. you know sitting in the box for five minutes every game, but uh, it definitely definitely worked last. I week. would say it's more of the formula of taking away from their game, right? Because like they, they didn't have a great, they weren't able to get on the score sheet. They were a negative one on the ice. That top line was, and you flustered them. You made them do something dumb, right? It's probably not sustainable for them to be in the box or fighting like that. But you you force their hand to do something irrational, and that that's a slap. That's a slap in the face to the Colorado Avalanche. God, bring that on, man. That was so much fun last night. That building was unbelievable. Uh, yeah, you're talking about the Oscars there for a second. Oh, yeah. Um, no, no, I'm sure a lot of people can talk about that all day long here. Which and, we will uh, later. Yeah. And for like two and for like two weeks now. But uh, to Dex to Dex's point, Phil, I think the key here is it's not that McKinnon's going to necessarily fight, but it's going to be the Avalanche's biggest weakness is they have some players who get thrown off their games in the playoffs. The Golden Knights basically did that to them in the second round last year. And so what we saw last night to me, and this is my favorite thing about playoffs, is when you can begin to set the recipe for success. Um, I, I think it's true in hockey. I think it's true in basketball, potentially not as much. But you start to sort of like try some of the stuff that you're going to do in a potential playoff series. Mm-hmm. And Erickson Eck on McKinnon will be, I think, the best formula that the Wilds had for a potential playoff upset since uh, Wes Walls on Peter Forsberg in 2003. Because mm-hmm. Walls drove Forsberg crazy to the point of just completely complete distraction. So I think what we saw last night was sort of dipping the dipping the toe in the water of what can we do to throw these guys off? Because if we just try and beat them, we're not going to. Uh, and I love taking their star player and frustrating him because that is an absolutely beautiful thing to watch from the wild side. Would you mind if the hockey whisperer went second here on oh, statements? Oh yeah, no, by I all no. means. I know, I know, I know. Judd's hockey show. You guys got your got your. Uh, shots we went in long last time last yeah. night, so you go right ahead. Okay. By the way, Judd's hockey show. You can find that as part of the Mackie and Judd podcast feed, scored on the YouTube channel. And if you just want Judd's hockey show without the other Mackie and Judd nonsense, you can find it on its own. Apple, Spotify, etc. Okay. Another formula you need if you plan on uh, I don't know going deep in the playoffs or upsetting the Avalanche is elite goaltending. My man, uh-huh. and the Wild have that uh-huh. in Cam Talbot, who is one of the hottest goaltenders in the NHL over the past three weeks. Seven consecutive wins by Cam Talbot, and two goals or fewer allowed in six of those seven wins. It's nice to have. A number one elite goalie, the caliber of Cam Talbot, with a reliable backup with playoff experience and Marc Andre Fleury. Are you trying to annoy me, or are you are you <laughs> like trying to cre- create seven a seven straight wins? Get the flag on, for on, Cam Talbot. Hold on, I gotta get the flag. Flags back out. Flags fly forever. I mean, you can't you can't argue you can't argue with the way he's been playing lately. Oh. The response he is a you know listen he's 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 saying all the right things, but you know that his ego is a little bit bruised. Yes. There's a pride factor, and he is stepping up and playing the best hockey of the season in net. Just throwing it out there. No, you're a thousand percent right. No, I we talked about this extensively last night, and what you just said is spot on. And Cam Talbot had started to turn his game around before the flurry trade. But in the three games since then, he has been spectacular. And I agree with you. I think his his pride was challenged. And Marc-Andre Fleury, I think, is beloved. His teammates, Cam Talbot. All, so this is not a, 
you're a jerk and you shouldn't be playing. I should. This is, uh, hold on a second. I'm a bleeping professional, and you guys just went and got the flower? And so I love this, and I guess here's my question. Would you rather be faced with the dilemma of Cam Talbot struggling and Kapokakinen can't do the job, or the dilemma of which one are we going to start because they're both playing so well? Like, this is such a good problem. This is only a bad problem, potentially, on a team that has divisiveness, right? Like half the room is flurry. Our guy should start half the room is Talbot. No, our guy should start. That's a negative, but this group is so co- cohesive. Phil, I think what you just said is spot on, but I think it's all positive. So what, um, okay. I'm going to throw a hypothetical out here. And believe me, this is a hypothetical. Uh, if Cam Talbot keeps playing the best he's played all season over the next month, in however many starts he gets when Mark Andre Fleury's not starting. And Fleury starts and, and Fleury plays well too. So they're both playing like fairly well. Does Mark Andre Fleury start all the playoff games? Do you do you mix and match is it 75-25? What do you do in the playoffs if Talbot keeps playing this way? I think you do what uh, Jacques Lemaire did in 2003, which is you you start one guy, ride the hot hand until it cools slightly and then the guy who's been the backup challenged by that right comes in and you hope he gets hot and so the playoffs are so long and they're so tough that i think if you find a goaltender like if in game one if talbot allows a goal or just plays great i don't think that that you say well we've got two guys so has to be a rotation but i think that there is a case to be made that you ride the hot hand Mm -hmm. but what's great about it is if they get along if they're in lockstep there's no problem there the problem is if they don't get along and that there's some animosity. But I think that these two are going to be fine. So I think that the support system becomes the most important thing. But, yeah, I don't think it's, uh, well, we have to start flurry here, Talbot here, flurry here, Talbot here. I think it's uh, who's hot. And the guy who, who's hot starts, and the guy behind him hopefully supports him in full. Again, I, it's such a good problem compared to where we sat three weeks ago when it was just a, a blundering, dundering mess of hodgepodge goals going in. This is such a good place to be. Love it. Cam Talbot, goalie number one. I'm positive today. And we're back not, to you're, you're not going to get to me. I'm not going to fly to the Pacific Northwest to slap you. <laughs> it's just not going to happen. Well, I think you're up here. I think mm. you're up here, Will. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, Will. Will's up. I... Let's see here. So Dex got the uh, Dex got the important note in about the about the um, issues. Oh, you know what? I will follow f- fills up with this one Saturday night. Let's go back to that, and I'm just going to put this with a simple statement: the flower blooms. <laughs> the flower <laughs> blooms. Mark Andre Fleury and start one. Now he he made 23 saves, so it's not like he it's. It, Cam made, what, 40 saves on 42 shots? So Flurry didn't have to be spectacular, but he was certainly solid. Every time the man, the puck touched the man's stick, the crowd went nuts. Uh, they, they come back and win in OT, and it was so much fun. This is, I really think, it's not to this point, but I really think it did have at least the feel of, of Favre as a Viking just in the sense of, it's like, oh my God, Marc-Andre Fleury's in goal for the wild. Yeah. Like, what's going on here? It felt weird. I, there, there was a postgame quote from Spurgeon where 
he basically said at one point before a faceoff, he looked back in his own goal and Flurry was stretching. And he's like, that's Mark Andre Flurry stretching yeah. in our goal. <laughs> it's just the vibe is cool. The vibe is so cool there. And and three weeks ago, we were concerned about goaltending. The team was talking about being mentally weak, like all of those things. And Saturday and Sunday was just sort of an affirmation of this team right now really appears to be in a really good place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's just like you said, it's fun. Like it's yes. the the fact that they they made a splash move, whether it works or not, it's the right move. It's a Hall of Famer. It's a guy with three cups, and he's just. In goal for the Wild, like it's it's a blast, man. And his personality counts too. Like like he's a charismatic. He talks to the posts. Um, there's just something about him that's goofy, but but goofy is fun. Like it's not a Mister Serious and goal. You know, I don't talk. Who on was that day. pitcher for the Tigers back in the day that used to talk to the ball? Mark the Bird Fidrich. Mark Fidrich. <laughs> Mark like yelling at one the of the great bird. stories in baseball history. The bird. He talked the bird. to the baseball. He, the, he would get the ball back and talk to it. it was have, you ever, have you ever seen Mark no. Fidrich, Declan? No, actually I have like, oh. go, watch, go watch a YouTube video. He had like two gray ears or something. It was like he would just he'd get the ball and he would like yell at the ball the and then you know caress the ball. He, he would get weird. down on the mound, as I recall, and manicure it too. Yeah, with his hands. Like... Yeah, he would like play with the mound. <laughs> and Dex, great hair. The bird had great Love hair. Love that. Yeah. Love that. A lot of people. I feel like more people in the seventies had great hair. Oh. No, this is very true. That's it grew true. wildly. Good yeah. point. Wow. Pun right. intended. All right, back to Dex. My statement on the wild uh, goaltending, not dilemma, because it's not a problem. This is a luxury. So Talbot has won the seven straight starts, and that was a feat too. We were in the middle of before even Mark Andre Fleury was acquired, and now when you plug in Fleury, you basically give yourself the best tandem in the league, and you need two guys to be leading this charge. And what other better guy to have in your back corner or front corner than Marc-Andre Fleury? Um, I'm going to assume that Fleury starts game one in the postseason. I'm going to assume he's going to start game one when the playoffs roll around. And I would probably bet, unless it's an embarrassingly bad performance, he'd even get game two if they were to drop the first game in a playoff series. But also, Marc-Andre is used to this. This happened in Vegas last year. They were rotating him and Rob Leonard in and out of the playoffs last season. He was used to this in Pittsburgh with Matt Murray. So this is something that Marc-Andre Fleury is completely used to doing. And this is a good problem to have if you're, a goal, if you're, if, if you're the wild sake trying to figure out who can start for you. Because right now Talbot's playing out of his mind. I, I don't think it's sustainable because he has done this now numerous times where he's had stretches this season where he looks great. And then he's had stretches where he's borderline unplayable. So I don't think that the way Cam Talbot's playing over this seven games is the, is the Talbot you're going to see for the rest of the season and throughout the playoffs. But Marc-Andre Fleury is also used to splitting the net, and he knows how to handle that on the ice and off the ice, and that's a luxury for the Wild to have when the playoffs roll around. So are, speaking of those playoffs, are they... So right now, if the playoffs started, they would be, uh, they'd be playing Nashville. Yep. Yeah. And oh even my. if they dropped below Nashville, they would still be playing Nashville, right? Unless so like St. They're, Louis jumps Nashville, yes. Okay. So right now, they're it's, it's likely they're going to play Nashville in the first round, especially because the Wild have two games in hand yep. to remain yeah. ahead of Nashville. And then the Blues are how far? On, the Blues though are how, how far back points wise? I, I think they're I think they're four? very close to, to the Predators. No, of the Wild, they're they're four back. I they're, think, uh, you're right. They're they're one actually. They're so the, one. They're one back with two games in hand. So yeah. You're, so you're, you're gonna right. play. Yes. So you're you're gonna so play. St. Louis is the more likely matchup there yes. at this point. Yes, mm, but, but you know. 
But the Blues are tough, and so are the Wild now. Uh, Hockey Whisper has another thought here, but first, he'd like to tell you, yeah, it's going to be 40 degrees in the Twin Cities today, a little bit of a cold stretch here, but spring continues to punch its way through, which means riding season is upon us. Spring and summer months are great if you like to ride, whether it's a Harley, Indian, Metro Cruiser, Sport Bike, Dennis Kirk has you covered, and they've been a great partner of ours here at Score North. Show us your ride. I mean, if you got pictures of your ride, you're you're proud. Uh, you're a proud biker. Send us your pictures and uh, and show us some love. Dennis Kirk, over 160,000 parts and accessories in stock. Same day shipping on orders placed before 8 p.m. Rock solid service. DennisKirk.com. Ride more, wait less. Uh, all right, here's my second statement. We are witnessing the greatest individual season in wild history with Kirill Kaprizov. So he is currently with with 18 games left to play. 18 games. They're going to try and play. Is it? I think it's 18, right? Mm-hmm. They're going to try yes. and cram 18 games into 18. basically 31 days or something. 18 games. Yep. So uh, so buckle up. But Kaprizov is two points off Marion Gabryk's wild record for points in a season with 83. Judd, you pulled an upper deck Kaprizov graphics. Graphics. We we got graphics now. <laughs> that's our, our B roll. Don't ever say Mackie and yeah. Judd don't have B roll, ladies and gentlemen. Well, actually, well, can you put the uh, stats on the screen? I, th- I think it <laughs> turn, just turn got, that card over. It just got last year's stats. <laughs> yeah, it's just last year. Our Sorry graphics department that. needs the whole season to our be graphic, over before we. Hey, Stella, get the graphics ready. <laughs> if you want to see these graphics, subscribe to the Score North YouTube channel. Fifteen thousand subscribers, twenty five thousand on Purple Daily. Thank you guys for making our show. Uh, Keep the growth machine that it is. So Kaprizov is two points off Marion Gabryk's wild record of 83 points in the season. He's five points off Pierre-Marc Bouchard's assists record of 50. And he's six goals off Marion Gabryk's goals record. So if he stays healthy for these last 30 days or so of the regular season, he's going to check all those boxes. He's going to have he's going to flirt with 100 points for the first time. I mean, no one's ever had 90 points in wild history. Yeah. And he's going to flirt with 100. This is the greatest individual season in Wild history. Yes. Um, and I, d- I don't think it's particularly close, to be honest. I mean, G- Gabrick had some fun years, and he-, he could score. But keep in mind, Gabrick's scoring was suppressed by Jacques Lemaire's system, and his complete game didn't touch Kaprizov's. Like, he was a he- – he wanted to cherry-pick in neutral, get the pass, and go score. Kaprizov plays a, a complete game. And the one thing that struck me that I, I don't know if people like th- thought about this during the course of the game on Sunday, but I think that so when you have a goaltender who basically does what Talbot did, which is just stand on, on his head and give you a chance. You also just like need, we knew he was going to do the rest oh, of the season. No, because three weeks along. ago, I kept saying, just trust in cam, <laughs> trust in cam. Don't trade for the flower. But I think the, the second prong to that, statement about you have to have that type of goaltending is this do you have a player who you trust no matter how the game is going can win you that game like do you have that guy because you know previously if it's like okay you're gonna have to trust Zach Parise Zach Parise is a good player and he worked hard but you didn't say he is gonna score that goal like it was always to do the work and and, you know it was always a pleasant surprise right oh my god they scored um Kaprizov, there's almost this ex- – and you watch him, There's and it's the expectation's not just from the fans or the team, it's from the player too. You watch him, Phil, and there's this dynamic thing that takes off about him that you think, okay, if you keep this close, he's got a chance to tie it mm-hmm. or, in this case, win the game. 
And that, to me, is such a difference. You know, for years we saw we saw Patrick Kane, right? A guy like that who could just win a game. And the Wild never came close. Well, now they've got th- that guy. And I really think, I, I got this question on Twitter a couple days ago. Somebody said, where would you rank Kaprizov right now in players, um, in star players in the league period? And I said, I think he has to be top 10. Yeah. I really do think he has to be top 10. I know that's a bold statement, but with what he brings, and Phil, to your point, I don't even think what you said is like semi-debatable. So here's another interesting thing about scoring. I'm just trying to find this here, but it looks like only 13 times in wild history have they had 30 goal seasons. 13 times in, like 13 instances, some of them in, in the same season. Yeah. Uh, they're on pace if Fiala can score eight more goals, and if Hartman can get three. I don't think there's any doubt about. So Kaprizov's already over thirty-seven. 30. So thirty-six yeah, or whatever 36, it is. Yep. Thirty-six. Um, have they ever had two guys? Oh seven, oh eight, oh six, oh seven. Rolston had thirty-one, and Gabrick had thirty. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh seven, oh eight. Rolston had thirty-one. Gabrick had forty-two. Mm-hmm. Um, and then seventeen, eighteen, Stahl had forty two, and Zucker, Zucker, Zucker. over the coil, Zucker. had thirty three. So you've had three different instances where they've had two guys score thirty or more. But this could also be the first time in Wild history we have three thirty goal scorers on the same team. Yep. And I think I saw a stat that, that this is the first time in franchise history they've had two guys with forty plus assists or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Zuccarello's got, I mean, he's had a phenomenal year. It's a, hard to eat. He, he already eclipsed his career high for points, which is a ding. Oh, God, that he, down. God, he's looked good. Man, he's looked good. Look at you. Just racking him. Mm-hmm. Yep. Racking him. All right, Judd. All right, so here's my statement, and then I'm going to have a, a, a word of caution and then explain. My statement is this. Now, this is a team. Now, I need to non-trigger Phil here because what I'm about to talk about is not about fisticuffs, okay? So I'm not talking about they went out and physically uh, started a fight. But when Kaprizov scored yesterday and Devin Tays, a defenseman for the abs, cross-checked him hard, it was a BS cross-check. It was was completely – the play was dead. The goal was scored. Uh, It could have hurt him. It didn't because he's strong as an ox. But anyway – you know what happened? Little Mets Zuccarello didn't pull the old Granlin move of, excuse me, Mr. Taze, can I get by you to go c- celebrate it, my teammate's goal? Matt Zuccarello went after Taze and confronted him, and, and they gathered, and nobody fought. There wasn't punches, but the point is, this is what a team does, especially this time of year in this sport. What you don't do is say, we scored, ha-ha, time to celebrate, please move. You say, what did you just do to our star player? Because your star player must be protected or at least stood up for. I, I think that's the, the better term is this, must be stood up for. And, yeah. in, and in that sense, I love the fact that at every turn, this team acts like a team, which is this. It's very simple. They act like they care about their teammates. And I don't care how much people hate to hear this. Declan knows this is true as well. For years, we had things like that happen exactly, where guys would be like, oh, you got hit. I'm sorry about that. Let's celebrate. Or, oh, we lost. That's too bad. There there was no accountability anyway. And now it's everywhere. I think that this team holds each other accountable. And more importantly, 
when when an opponent steps out of line with their teammate, they hold them accountable. Doesn't mean that you have to drop the gloves and fight, but it does mean that there has to be some type of passion towards the project. Yeah. And in that goal, we saw that very thing. And Kaprizov actually then went to Matt's and dragged him off Taze. He's like, don't. But that. But the point is, Zuccarello took the most important first step, in my opinion, of saying, no, dude, I've got your back. This team has each other's back. I think where I agree is you're. there's a certain element in all sports of showing the other team who controls the, the action. That mm-hmm. we, we, are, we are in control of the action here. And it doesn't mean that we're going to be bullies and pick fights, but you know sometimes it might require that. But we are we are dictating, we are controlling, and we are holding you accountable if you step out of line. And I think you know it happens with offensive linemen or defensive linemen yeah. in the NFL. It happens in NBA games. I mean, how many times have you seen the Timberwolves just get punked, right? You know, so like the Timberwolves against the Lakers a couple weeks ago, it was a little bit of a weird way to do it. But they were showing the Lakers by sort of taunting them. We're in control here, guys. This is no longer your Western Conference. It's not ours yet either, <laughs> right? As has been proven. In but some it's an ways, important but... step. Sure, agree totally. Yep. Yeah, I think I, I can get with you there. You know, speaking of control, by the way, you want to you know, make sure if, if you're a guy, you want to get your health under control. Okay, you want to dictate your health. You want to you just want to hold yourself accountable. You mean if you're an aging guy? Well, you could be aging, or you could be even like in your 30s. It could be any of us here. Declan entering his 30s. I'm in my mid 30s, entering my late 30s here soon. Judd is uh, has entered his 50s. And if you're if you're any of those ages, you should enter Mayo Clinic. They have two locations, Mayo Clinic Rochester and a new clinic in Mayo Clinic Square, Minneapolis, right across from Target Center and First Ave. Uh, underground parking. And if you think it's time to, well, not even if you think, like it probably is time to see a urologist, especially if you get into your 30s and 40s, someone who can help with prostate, urinary, sexual health, menshealth.mayoclinic.org. They are taking appointments, menshealth.mayoclinic.org. All right, any other wild statements from you guys? I'm good. I'm good. We covered the gamut there. Judd's Hockey Show, people can find. I'm good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, I have a, I, all right, I have, I have a statement. Okay. It's more of a, a plea. Okay. Okay. I need help. I need help. So uh, so you guys are dog owners. Declan is, a, is sort of a new dog owner here with Vinny. Judd with Stella. Stella's been around the block a couple times. It's been a while since I've been a dog parent. Had dogs growing up, you know, and but like usually it was like my parents would handle the, the hard stuff. But a cat owner throughout my life. We uh, oh. we adopted little Maya Mackey, little little three year old Chihuahua Terrier mix from the Humane Society over the weekend. Uh, she's amazing. She is very loving. She's also not the most potty or house trained yet. And uh, I'm just looking for any sort of wisdom from you guys mm. on how to navigate the next month or two. Puppy pads is my first bit mm-hmm. of ad- advice. Now, now they will be obstinate sometimes and intentionally avoid them, but I do know that some pups are pretty good about them. And so I would go uh, out or or uh, order puppy pads and put those down in the main areas where she has a tendency to have her accidents. Mm. Yep. Does that, like, my only question there is, does that encourage, because the goal is to, like, Make it not okay anywhere in the house, regardless of yeah, that, right? I'm just saying, I, I mean, yes, ideally, absolutely. But I'm just saying if you want to preserve your rugs and things like that, there's probably a fine line here between yeah. laying down the law and making sure the <laughs> wife doesn't doesn't take the dog 
back at some point in time. I'm just I'm throwing it out there as I don't think she's going to. Yeah, I, I think we know who would. <laughs> oh, see, that would not be me. But anyway, it's not. I it's, it might not be ideal. But like, if you have a rug that you really like or something, and you don't want any accidents on, I'm just throwing it out. There. Well, we uh, we did install because we you know, we have sort of a row house with like three or four. It's like three and a half levels. And so we we installed a little doggy gate at the main level so that the basement levels, including my studio here. But she's like trying to break down the because she knows she can hear me down here. Like she knows I'm down here. So she's been trying to break through the the trying to because she's got tanks. She's tanks. got tanks, dude. Like what do you expect? She's got a flag. Is what she, yeah, <laughs> yep. Yep. Get the flag. She's got a wolf flag. Maya, like, get the no, flag. don't fly the wolf flag today. No, fly the wild flag. <laughs> we got both sides of the flag. Uh, it's like. I, I have so I have puppy pads installed in my like if you came into my house you're like what are these weird pads just hanging out? Do you ever get drunk and use them yourself? I have shockingly not. And Friday night there <laughs> definitely was a case to be made. I could have used one and I did not. Um, I oh, would say no. it's easier because you're different because I had a puppy. I, I had a little puppy dog and and the puppy and from my side was staying at the girlfriend's parents with her and there's another dog there so it kind of has helped teach Vinny the ropes a little bit. But okay. we were really adamant the first, like, it was like in this was, it stunk during a sleepy time uh, during the first few weeks, but just like every three hours, we were taking that dog outside. Every yeah, three hours, every three at. hours. And that's, yeah. I think, the best way to go about that right now. Yeah. So, like, every best. two or three hours, and then eventually, like, over the course of time, you can yeah. have it be more like four hours or five the, hours. Or the puppy pads are more for probably at night as well, because, like, you lose track of them. That's the problem. And that's the other thing. It's like we're so we did buy we did get a crate, and I mean the amount of YouTube videos and articles that we have read over the past, even like as dog owners throughout our lives, it's just like to brush up. And so we're we're debating like ah, just the thought of putting a sweet little dog in a crate is. You know what strikes? Like sometimes you have to you start there and I create think... some discipline and some boundaries. Mm-hmm. You know? I wouldn't personally do do this because I don't care. But you strike me as the type of guy who might want to actually take it take your pup to an obedience class type of thing so you yeah absolutely yeah like like you strike me because because like but then you'll get answers like like you want you're you're different than i I am in that sense like i feel like you want the game plan i don't i just don't care about it but you do which is fine you just can just kind of do whatever she wants she runs the house and i just don't care I mean, it, it goes Stella, Dawn, Judd. So uh, does Stella just like poop on the floor and pee on the floor whenever she wants uh, to? No, she... hopefully she doesn't pee on the floor. Uh, that would be an accident. But, uh, I mean, she's been known to poop. And if she's a little dog, I clean it up. I'm not real happy about I love it. I Judd's not... like Judd's jog parenting strategy. Just do whatever. Who cares? I'm also not just dis- – it's why I'm not a parent. Like, it's so funny. That's it's why. like – you didn't have ki- you didn't have kids. You don't understand. I didn't have kids because I would have been a terrible parent. I would have been the fun parent who didn't care, uh, if, or I would have cared, but I wouldn't have cared enough. And anyway, but I think that o- an obedience class for yeah. Maya would probably be your best bet because then you could actually like consult with a person who could mm-hmm. tell you what you're doing right and wrong. Yeah, that's going to happen we're just at some point, like probably sometime in April. I remember when I was a kid living, I grew up in Champlin, Minnesota, and then eventually we moved to to uh, Corcoran in Buffalo. But when we were in our house in Champlin, I remember as a kid, we got a just a fluffy terrier, like a Spitz terrier named Katie, just the white fluffiest. And, and I was too little to remember this, but like my mom told me several years later that 
and I, actually, I was asking my stepdad about this. My mom died four years ago. I said, so when you got, you know, when Katie came along, what was the what was the deal there? I said, well, I'm glad you asked. Humane Society, um, and they're wonderful, but they had some misinformation on Katie. They said, oh, so she's two or three years old, which she was, but she is shed free and fully house trained. And within the first hour and a half of being in the house, you know, oh, just no. a tornado of fur and poops everywhere. Oh, <laughs> yeah, so, no. But obedience school turned it into like, you know, any sort of command you yeah. wanted. You were, oh, okay. So it worked. That's so, good. Yeah. I've, I've thought about doing it too, even though Vinny's mostly listens pretty well um, in general. But I, I will say someone, and you guys probably you already know this too, because I, I never grew up with a dog, but I've always wanted a dog. And I used to yeah. dog sit and dog watch and walk dogs all the time, neighborhood dogs and whatnot. But um, my advice is someone has to be the good cop and someone has to be the bad cop. And definitely I am the bad cop with Vinny. And even yesterday, finally, after, because I use Vincent if I need his attention or he's being naughty. And for the first, <laughs> one of the first times I said, I, I snapped, I said, Vincent. And he did the cowardly and put the ears back. So he knew yeah. he was in trouble. So he knows both versions of his name. Yes. He knows Vinny and okay. Vincent. Yes, okay. he does. That's good. Is I, I, he named after Vinny Chase from Entourage? No. I, so when she was suggesting names and she said, actually, I wanted Vito. I wanted V-I-T-O. I wanted Vito. That's what I want. She's, she has, she's an Italian bred. My girlfriend's a very Italian family. I'm Irish, so it's yeah. forbidden love in general. But she wanted, she wanted Vinny really bad. And I was like, ah, you know, I like Vincent. And then she's like, nope, it's going to be Vinny. And then I thought, I started thinking, and I was like, well, I do love Entourage. And this dog's a little Vinny Chase. Yeah. So this, this actually works out really, really well. <laughs> You're Irish and she's Italian? Yeah. Oh, God, if you get married, the fights are going to be oh, epic. I don't know. I know. Yeah, it's and uh, the ki- stubborn oh, and you're, Irish. And you're, yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. Woo! I'm By the staying way, away from your house. This dog, uh, so her, we found out that, so she, her name is Addison, mm-hmm. but it was just like a shelter name. Yep. So we're like, and she doesn't like respond. Stella to had one, too. So, okay. Do you remember what Stella's shelter Jasmine. name was? Jasmine? Yeah, it sounds like a stripper. We weren't going to yeah. pick it up. <laughs> Please welcome oh, to the patio deck, Jasmine. All right, gentlemen, get out your money for Jasmine. Oh, Tuesday man. night special. Uh, so if you guys have advice, you know, just uh, hit me up. Send me some tweets at Phil Mackey. Yes. DMs are open. We're trying. How to big is your dog go- going to get? Do you know? Well, she's three, so she's full grown. She's eighteen. Pounds. And she's how just a little thing, or yeah, I don't know. She's like a like a yeah, small, so medium sized dog. Yeah, yeah, that's not bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. She's uh, she's full of love. She just doesn't know where to poop sometimes. So yeah, yeah. We've same. all been there. That's same. Quite frankly, that's, yeah. I'm not that, judging. That's the least of your yeah. exactly. Right. I had White Castle last night. That's, that was a whole thing. Who knows where to poop yeah. after White Castle? What are you Castle? doing to yourself? Yeah. Call me for advice. I've been through these things before. I can tell you, don't have White Castle. I think uh, I think what you'd hear from our guy Chris Finch here after what was kind of a kind of a disappointing performance by the Timberwolves yesterday. You know, we knew they were going to switch a lot. We just didn't play with any any zip, you know, any pace. Like, we didn't get down the floor quick, quick enough. We didn't get in and out of our actions quick enough. Um, you know, we made it very easy for them to kind of um, just kind of, you know, wrestle us on the spot and switch and all that kind of stuff. So Was that kind of a, the story of the game, just they had a little more zip, a little more Yeah, for sure. You know, our energy was low today. Um, you know, sometimes you have those games. We just trying to flush this one. Flush this one away and get ready for, um, you know, uh, uh, Toronto. Okay, uh, so statements round two here. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pair two statements into one here, Wolves related. The, the first one is sort of a preface that 
Boston's doing that to everybody right now. That game was, I mean, it's a measuring stick game in that if you eventually want to win a championship, that's the type of team you're going to have to beat. But Boston has more 30-point wins. I saw this on ESPN this morning. Over whatever stretch this has been, like a month or two months, they have more 30-point wins than losses. They're just beating the brakes off everybody. Just quickly, what's what's happened there? Because they were disappointing. Like around Christmas, there was talk of breaking the you know the trade. Tatum and Brown, yeah, yeah. So what what's happened? Well, those guys are yeah. It's always been like oh well they you know they kind of play the same position and so right. it's kind of I don't know but they're both awesome and they've yeah. just figured out how to play together and they've both figured out how to play at a high level and I think that organization for the last well for a long time. But like this most recent iteration, Brad Stevens as a coach and as a front office guy, like they've they they tend to gel often at times where you look at the roster or you look at the way they've been playing, like they figure it out. Uh, now they haven't figured it out to a championship standpoint this time around. But let me dovetail into my wolf statement here for you guys, which is D'Lo needs to get it together. <laughs> All right. <laughs> And you can, yeah, I mean, go ahead. Like, listen, he, I think you could, I think two things can be true. Number one, he has been much better this season as a leader, even as a defender. You know, he has put the team on his back at times, and he's been a great, I think, straw to stir the drink, getting Cat into advantageous places. He's been able to share with Anthony Edwards. And so, by and large, the Delo experience has been very positive and very fruitful for the Timberwolves this season. But the four biggest games of the year so far, the last week, so Dallas twice, Phoenix, Boston, with the sixth seed on the line, right? Like the play-in is very much likely at this point because they've lost some of these games. So these are the biggest games of the season. And he's shooting 15% from three over these last four games, 34% overall, and he's averaging 10 points in those four games. He's actually had three single-digit scoring games over the last two weeks. And so, you know, I hate to, like, I hate to bring it to, like, the salary cap because that doesn't matter right now. But ultimately, like, he's taken up about 20% of the Wolves' overall payroll in a salary cap league. Yep. And, you know, these are the biggest games of the year, man. Like, you, you can't just be shooting <laughs> three of nine and disappear. And, and even Nick Finch made a comment after the game, too. He said, yeah, tonight was sort of designed to get D'Lo going. And he let that sit there for a second because <laughs> it yeah. it didn't happen. So I think you can say two things. Like he's been wonderful for this team, and he has been a huge part of the growth and why they are going to finish the season above 500 for the second time since 2004. Yeah. But in these biggest games, he has pretty much disappeared, and I think it's worthy of criticism. I think it absolutely is. In fact, I'll, I'll dovetail off your statement to say this. D'Lo overall needs to grow up. Um, this is crunch time, baby. Like this is where this is where the money is made. This is where you are, and and you are, like it or not, at your position, a floor general of this team. Like people look to to you. And the one advantageous thing about our uh, our press row seating at Target Center is this: we're right by, like literally right by the bench. And D'Lo, there's an exercise bike off to the corner there, and. When D'Lo's not playing, he rides it a lot just to stay loose. And when things are going well, he's barking out stuff. I, it, it's constructive. Like, he's barking out what guys should do. Mm-hmm. Like, he is a smart dude. He's yeah, intelligent. He's, he, he could be a general. So, yeah. yeah. So, like, there's no, like, oh, I don't think he's that smart. No, he is. 
Um, it did not sit well with me, his response in that Suns game. The, the fact that during the timeouts, when he was having a terrible game, he decided not to join the uh, the huddle for the team. He sat mm-hmm. off to the side. He sulked. And he basically said, well, when things are going like that, so sometimes I don't want to be frustrated. So I sort of disengaged. Come on. No, man, that's not it. You are a leader here. You are, I think, in my opinion, you can't be a guy who, when things are going good, is like takes control. But then when it goes bad, you're like, I'm sort of out now. That mm-hmm. doesn't work. So I really think that this is a pivotal time in D'Angelo Russell's career where he needs to pick a path here. And that path needs to be to grow up and understand when things are not going well personally, that doesn't give you a pass, no pun intended, to say, well, now I'm upset. I'm going to disengage. That's not how this works, man. And we're getting to springtime. Let's all grow up here. I would add, too, like, it's one thing to go from helping teams that are irrelevant become like a playoff team for the first time near the near the bottom of the Western or Eastern Conference standings, which he'd helped do in Brooklyn a few years back. And now he's helping with the Timberwolves. But then, okay, so now you've sort of solidified yourself as that team. And now you're, now you're measuring stick. And again, like, Anything that happens this season going forward to me is a bonus. They, I mean, they're going to finish ten wins above their Vegas over under. You know, they're they're probably going to beat the Clippers. If not, I would hope that they would win the next game. Like they're going to play in a playoff series. So, to me, like all of it is a success. But you can see on the horizon, there's another level of this thing, and you can you're getting a taste of it against the Suns and Boston, and on the road against the Mavericks, and then home. Like you can kind of go toe to toe with these teams, but there's another level to get to. And the biggest question is, is he part of that level? Is he going to take that next step? Because I I think Cat has done a great job of, in many ways, looks like he can take that next step. I think D'Lo can, but these last four games where it's like, all right, you guys, where are you guys here? Are you you fighting with the Suns now? Because you got the best record since the All-Star game. So go prove it against the Suns. Go prove it against Boston. And he has been, I mean, he has been a ghost in those four games. So I don't think you judge the whole season off those four games, but eh, these are the highest pressure sort of chips on the table games. I I think more importantly than the statistical problems, which are a problem, but I think the most important thing is the character test. Like, that's what I want to see. Like, okay, you're slumping. Cool. Happens to everybody. Long season, all right? But how do you handle it? And my problem is he doesn't seem to be handling it well. That's a long-term concern. So, like, yeah, you're going to go through – bad slumps and you're going to be great sometimes and you're going to stink sometimes but do you maintain a consistency and I think the most troubling thing about these last four games is as far as the personality goes and the approach goes the consistency has waned really badly that's more concerning to me than the actual statistical output yeah and so yeah, you got Toronto and then I think and then the Denver game so you know you still got some time here in this brutal stretch of seven games and they've definitely held their own except for that Boston game. So, all right, let's it's okay. Maybe this is just a four game weird stretch. It's just he's banged up or whatever. So, there's still some time here, but let's see it. Let's see it, Dex. Uh my statement is they're gonna have to figure out a way to replace Malik Threesley. So Malik Beasley with that high ankle sprain out for at least the next couple days. I know Doogie had a little scoop on that over the weekend. But Malik Beasley got off to that really poor start in the first half of the season. But since February first Beasley was hitting 46% of his shots from behind the arc. He was actually shooting better at three than he was from the floor in general. 
Um, and now that you've already lost J-Mac for most likely the remainder of the regular season, if not close to it, because he has an ankle sprain as well, you have to figure out ways to get these guys the three-point shots and still figuring out how to convert them, right? Like the Wolves have been trying for years to catch up finally to the three-point game. They've been attempting a lot, but they haven't been falling a lot uh, from the, as, as, for as much as they've been taking them. And Beasley, over the last two months, has basically been that dagger guy off the bench that has hit a ton of threes for them, and now you're without that. You're without a guy who is shooting 46% from three, and you're without Jaden McDaniels right now as well. You're, you're missing two core bench players. So I think they can hopefully get healthy by the time the playoffs and or play-in rolls around, but you have to figure out a way to replace Malik Beasley because his impact off the bench has been monumental for the Wolves since the All-Star break. Yeah, it's actually like the, their bench has gone from completely non-existent a year or two ago. Credit to front office executive of the year, Gerson Rosas, by the way. Gerson. He was in town. On, he uh, was. On he, Friday. So what was Where? the Mavs? Is he consulting for the Mavericks or something? The Knicks. The Knicks? He's working for the Knicks. But, but there was a picture of him. Yeah. Was that that was, but was that a recent picture? I thought it was. I saw I, that picture floating yeah. around social media that he was in town. Like, like there was a picture of him standing on the court, but I couldn't tell. Oh, oh supposedly got hired can, by the Knicks, but I have no idea. But you know, like Jared, you know, so, you know, Jared Vanderbilt was out for a while, and like they they haven't had a fully healthy team, you know, starters and bench in quite a while here because guys just keep missing time. But you know, McLaughlin McLaughlin steps up, and like I think I think the loss of Jaden McDaniel's is probably the bigger one compared to Malik Beasley. They're such different players. Yeah. But I mean, he he offers just so much energy and length and defense. And when you're playing against a team like the Celtics, I mean, who's going to guard those ridiculous wing players, right? Like he's just a weapon out of your arsenal. So getting him back at some point is going to be key. But high ankle sprain for Jade McDaniel's the tough one. Uh, Judd, statement. Statement is this well, off the top of this segment we heard from Chris Finch, and my statement is appreciate the fact you found your guy. Chris Finch, I, I think we got to talk more about him. Um, this Finch, he's incredible. Uh, first of all, he ev- evidently has perfected or is good at the art of of uh, kicking ass behind the scenes. Gets mad, but is constructive. But you know, in the pressers, he never changes. And there's something about it to me that this might sound weird that strikes me as sincere. Um, it's not like, oh, you're lying. I think he's telling the truth, and he says things that if you read between the, the lines or just listen to them are somewhat frontal, but it's never done from a place of anger and frustration. I never sense highs and lows externally from him, which with a team like this I think is a great thing. Like I, I don't think this team would handle it well if he came into a uh, the presser last night all ticked off and screaming mm-hmm. and, you know, taking papers and throwing them around. He's just, he is so good at, I think, get it, delivering his message in a sincere way. I don't think that we are giving him enough credit for what, what he's done. He, to me, is a very, very serious candidate for coach of the, the year. Just based on all of the different people that we've been through here, this guy is damn good. Yeah, and and the different personalities. I mean, Cat can be a little high maintenance, and D'Lo has bounced around, and Ant is super young, and you're not just going to get full buy-in, right? And then all these these bench and role players, and every one of them, when they talk about Chris Finch, they rave about him. 
it's it's not like oh yeah yeah we you know we love coach it's like i mean they go out of their way to go to the to the next step and i feel like that's pretty in an, in an nba where players drive the action the success the league in general and coaches are sort of disposable like there's not a lot, there's not a lot of phil jacksons and eric spolstras and pat riley's running sure. around like a lot of these coaches tend to be and you get four or five years and you're out and chris finch has only been here for two so we have to we have to let it play out but it strikes me the way that they talk about him with such respect. I mean, he's clearly, from an X's and O's and a communication standpoint, he's got full buy-in from this team. And and hopefully everything can stay together through some of these losses because it's one thing when you're clubbing you know, the Pelicans by 25 points. Oh, yeah, we love Finchie. But when you go get drubbed in Boston or you get beat in, a, in five games you know, by Memphis or something in the playoffs, right. like... Can they take lumps and still see the vision and still see the progress? I think that's something to keep an eye on here. The thing that I absolutely love, though, is if they beat the Pelicans by 25 or they get drubbed by the, the Celtics in the Garden, his demeanor doesn't change. Yeah. Like, you can't really tell. Yeah, and He's just, just fingy. <laughs> and I love that. You, dare I say this, and personality-wise, I think they're probably different people, but... Dare I say, from a coaching managerial standpoint, he's got some Tom Kelly to him. He does. He's like a little bit of an Eeyore demeanor kind <laughs> of, uh, you know, just kind of, you know, never really makes eye contact, but just right. a brilliant lifer, right? Just a right. schemer. But and you appreciate that, him, right? Yeah. Well, like he's he's just he's a guy that you appreciate and you get what he's about, and I think that's important. And early in Tom Kelly's career. Like later in his career, the young players, you know, he was sick yes. of losing, and the young players are like, "Okay, this You're is what's this?" His patience had run thin. But early in his You're career, right. I mean, he was younger. Right? He was in his, he was younger than Finch's right now. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he, but he was this just this lifer, sort of mad scientist genius, and players loved him. And yep. that's Finch is kind of a mad scientist. Even his hair. And like the way that he looks a little disheveled, you know, the collar is all kind of crooked. And Well, and they both like gone, went, went through stints with minor league teams, basically, where they lost players constantly. Like, I just think that there is a with both guys, especially early on in their careers, which Finch is from a coaching standpoint right now. I think that there is a clear appreciation from their standpoint of the game itself and a love that they like love what they're doing. And they're not doing it for the media. They're not doing it for attention. Yeah. I I just sense some similarities in demeanor there between the two of them. So, by the way, (laughs) here is the updates in the Western Conference. The Wolves have all but clinched the seven seed above the Clippers. So there's no worry about, like, not that that we've been looking down the standings at all, but just, like, they're six games clear of the Clippers. So the only question now is, can they catch the Nuggets – the Jazz, who have now fallen into the five, or the Mavericks. Um, it's going to be, I mean, they're running out of time here, and they've lost a couple of key games. That Nuggets game is going to be the absolute must win. Like, you you have to win that game if you want to catch the Nuggets, but that's probably your best path. So you get the Nuggets on uh, Friday this week, and the rest of the Nuggets schedule is they play at Charlotte, Tonight, which is not a gimme, at the Pacers on a Wednesday night, and then the game on Friday against the Timberwolves. But the rest of the way, they get just a quitting Lakers team on Sunday, <laughs> home against a bad San Antonio team, home against Memphis, which may or may not have something to play for on Thursday, April 7th, and then home against the Lakers again. So I just worry that 
Denver's schedule has a lot of, I'm not going to say gimmies because teams are fighting and stuff, but like Denver's not going to lose like five games. So you right. you probably have to come close to running the table and beat Denver. Uh, the Wolves schedule, they play at Toronto on Wednesday, so they get a couple days off here at Toronto on Wednesday, and then and then the game at Denver on Friday. At Houston, home against Washington, home against San Antonio, and then home against the Chicago Bulls on Sunday, April 10th. So can the Wolves run? If the Wolves can run the table, I think I think they pass the Nuggets. And then we'll see about the Jazz and the, and the Mavericks. But it'll be interesting. That's a lot to ask. Be interesting. Well, they should. I mean, the three games after Denver, like, they're going to be favored in all those games. Mm-hmm. The Chicago game at home kind of depends on yeah, exactly. whether Chicago I mean, cares. Back or, here, if they care, yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's a lot to ask. So, all right, any uh, we got to get to buffoon of the week here, but any other final? Uh yes, you guys. Yes, my fi- final statement uh, for today is is simple. This surly is for you if you're of age. Go for hockey team. Congratulations. Uh Bob Motzko's been through hell and back, and this does not make up for the, for that fact. But they beat what? Western Michigan on Sunday. Mm-hmm. They're going to the Frozen Four in Boston in two weeks. That's awesome. That's a great story. Again, it doesn't make up for uh, what Bob's been through, but congratulations. It at least is a great year. So, yeah, awesome. That's my final statement. Awesome, man. Bob Motzko deserves good things to to happen yeah. to him. Terrible, terrible stuff. So, um, all right, boys, let's get into the buffoon of the week. This week is presented by our friends who aren't buffoons at all, Federated Mutual Insurance Company. All right, so Federated's been around. They're the opposite of buffoons. They are geniuses when it comes to risk management, protecting your business, maximizing the success of your business. You can find them online at federatedinsurance.com, where they have a full list of industries that they protect. See if your business aligns with their expertise. And at Federated, it's our business to protect yours. All right, this might be the easiest buffoon of the week that we've ever given out. And it's my, it's, it's, it's my buffoon of the week, and if you guys disagree, you can disagree. Sounds like Judd thinks this might be the genius of the week. Will Smith. What are you doing, guy? It's Chris Rock. Chris Rock. And by the way, so I am I am calling him the buffoon of the week from the standpoint of having seen enough professional wrestling in my life. Yes, I sir. can tell when something is a work or scripted versus when it becomes a shoot, which is, oh, this goes beyond the lines of script. This is now real. Interesting. When you saw it on the, uh, so if you, I don't know, if you somehow like are coming coming out of your cave and missed what happened at the Oscars last night, Will Smith, after uh, Chris Rock made a joke about his wife's buzz cut, shaved head, walked up on stage and open hand slapped Chris Rock in the face. That's what you saw on the American feed because they cut the rest of it out. But on the international feed, they left it unedited and uncensored. Australia, France, there's video going around. He goes back to his seat and yells, Keep my effing wife's name out of your effing mouth. And then Chris Rock was like, ah, what's happening right now? Keep my effing wife's name out of your effing mouth. And then a bunch of celebrities had to come up and, like, console him during the commercial break. Then he freaking wins Best Actor, his first ever Oscar, and gets up there and gaslights everybody. I just, like, you know, what God is asking me to do in my life is too much to take, you know, to, to bite off, whatever. But I'm just saying, Will Smith. Not in a good place. Buffoon of the week. You might want to just relax. I don't know. Put on some chill boys or something. <laughs> but, Judd, you think it was staged? Let's just say I'm dubious. Let's okay. just say I'm very dubious. Uh, it was an open hand slap that darn near sort of missed. It it, it was an actor slap. Uh, 
I wouldn't be surprised if if we find out it's not staged. I'm just saying I won't be surprised if we find out it it was staged. I would encourage all of you youngsters out there, once you're done watching our five program, to jump on the YouTube and and uh, look at Fridays, which was a television show in the '70s, early '80s. Um, Andy Kaufman, Michael Richards. Okay. Which to this day, there was a very similar thing in a scene and a fight broke out and nobody knows still to this day if that was staged or not. The point being is I wouldn't be surprised either way. This just is going to result in some type of weird, massive potential payday. If, if, if rock and Will Smith cash in, I'm going heavy on stage. If are they, they going to host the Oscars together next we're year? We're being offered huge packages already to like have a celebrity bout and things like that. I'm just saying, I don't, I don't. So yeah, Will Smith should go Hollywood. from winning an Oscar to doing a celebrity fight against Chris Rock. I'll this is that. filled. This is filled with a lot of despicable people. So I'm just saying, I don't trust them. So to the conspiracy part, though, and this is where I do buy in a little bit with Judd. So Will Smith, and this is, I, I love 2022 technology and just reading into things. So Will Smith's TikTok page, before the Oscars started, before the slap happened, he posts this little funny little picture. It's him and Jada like in their, in their gowns and ready to go to the Oscars. And the caption is, me and Jada Pickett Smith got all dressed up to choose chaos. This is before. This, this is, is before. before the slap happened. This well, was, was on I his... TikTok page. Wow. Oh, I didn't know that. So okay, that, add that into the list of potential conspiracy theories. Like, why would you post that? And then literally, that was the definition, definition, excuse me, of causing chaos, open hand slapping someone. But what would be, what's the, what's the hook? Like Andy Kaufman's doing it because he's sort of a, you know, like a shock jock comedian yeah. actor. Well, like first it was of all, his career. First of all, I think it's going to help Chris Rock. And I don't think it's going to hurt Will Smith as much as some people think. But the second thing is the Oscars has traditionally for a long time been boring as crap. So, so you're saying the Oscars might be in it. I'm saying there's enough people involved, but it's not it's not too many. But it strikes me as like if Will Smith j- just won, this is a one day, you know, oh, Will Smith won and the Oscars was last night and then we move on, right? I mean, it's 2022. Well, listen, Monday night, Monday night Raw was pretty boring throughout the mid-90s and then all of a sudden you're like, well, these, exactly. guys, these guys are just like, what are they? Are they like reaming out their bosses? Is that real? Are yep. they swearing? What's happening yep. Well, right now? And, and all I know this is, is this. If somebody insulted Dawn, especially if, if something was wrong, to the point of where I was really mad, right or wrong, I'm going close fist punch. I'm closing like, my like, fist. Yeah, his wife has a condition, I'm not going to slap right? a guy. Yeah, she has alopecia. Like, I'm just, yes. What? Which, yeah. But my point is, I'm not going to slap a male. Hmm. And I'm not going to. I wonder if he went up there. So that's just not going to ha- I mean, I'm it, just going to It looked like he was in kind of a, and there's a screenshot, too, where he's like, He's laughing at the joke, but he's—you can tell—he's like fuming. fuming, like his face, like neck yeah. is turning kind of red. And then, and then you look over, and his wife is just staring at him, like, "Are you really laughing at this?" Right. And then he gets up, and I wonder because again, I—I th- I think it was real. Yeah, but and he, you might but be right. He gets up. Did he think as he's going up there, he was going to punch him, or like grab him or something? But then as he's walking, does he realize, "Oh my god!" Like, I'm doing this. I'm on national, international TV, right. so I can't. It's got to be a slap because I can't. Right. He, I mean, he assaulted him. 
That's the yeah. other thing. Like, why? Like, why was he allowed to keep sitting there just enjoying well, the show? That's what's so weird about the whole and, thing. And then other Amy Amy Schumer was great. She comes out like twenty minutes later, and she's like, uh, "All right, what uh, what did I miss? <laughs> I what did that. I miss, everybody?" She's like, "I was in this." <laughs> oh, the vibe feels kind of weird in here. What happened? <laughs> well, and the fact that Chris Rock took the slap, which is fine, and just continued on, like it was the whole thing just seemed sort of it was over the top, but it wasn't to a point where you would expect it to go if that was to actually happen. That's all yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. That was Good for them. They created a lot of fascinating. Well, my aunt, my aunt out in, in uh, San Francisco texted me last night. Cause she knows, you know, we'll dabble in some award shows once in a while. And she goes, Oh my God, was that real? And I'm like, I wasn't watching. I'm like, what are you talking about? She goes, Chris rock. And I was like, yeah, I still don't know what you're talking about. And so I, you know, I'll jump on Twitter and that international feed. Cause the, you know, it's like, Oh, he went up and he slapped him. That's what the American, like the Americans saw like, Oh, and then they censored something. Right. No. But right. then when you watch the international feed, and the look on Will Smith's face was like, he was, like it's the look on someone's face when they're ready to rage. I don't right. Know. I don't Unless know. they're a really good actor. I, well, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, baby. Amazing. Do you remember? So, so just to credit him, as a young guy, do you remember the scene in Fresh Prince with his uncle, right? Yeah, when, Phil. Yeah, when when we find out that Will Smith's dad like didn't acknowledge his birthday or something, mm-hmm. there's a great scene like, where where yeah. his character powerful moments in television history. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But my point is, he's that good. He like he that was a actor. that was a believable scene. Well, he also played Muhammad Ali in a movie. And yeah, no, but I, I'm crediting. What, what, him. He's, what, I'm saying it wasn't wasn't believable in that uh, slap or punch to Chris Rock. You're fantastic. Uh, but I'm going. I'm going fist. If I'm that mad, I'm going fist. I'm not slapping. So I'm uh, I'm going to say it was real. Judd, you're saying it might have been a work. I'm saying Declan sounds like you're. I'm I'm teeter tottering. I I don't think it was a work, but I understand why people might think that way. It might have gone, and it might have been a work that just went a little too far, but it was still effective. They're they're going to get a week's worth of stuff from this, if not more. Yeah, yeah. By the way, Chris Rock declined to press charges, according to the LAPD. The LAPD issued a statement too. But they didn't name the individuals. It's hilarious. The we How are in the individuals. Uh, who knows? Because they're the you know, self. Also, like if it was real, Chris Rock's been doing the same stand up, like the same <laughs> type of stand up for thirty years. He digs in on people and he picks out wounds and scabs. Oh, and and those guys have probably been around each other for three decades. Anyhow, all right, Mackie and Judd. Got the wild. Glad we solved that. Out. Glad we got that. The no. Wolves playing meaningful games. Yeah, I got the Twins traded for or signed Carlos Correa, Vikings. Uh, so people have been asking us all throughout the weekend, have you seen Ben Lieber's comments on Kirk Cousins, the, the, the secret behind the scenes meeting? We will dive into that on Purple Daily today. So check us out. And uh, thanks for helping us get to 40,000 combined YouTube subscribers across Score North and the Purple Daily channel. You guys are the best listeners Appreciate you coming along with us, and we'll see you guys tomorrow on Mackie and Judd.